Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. All right. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you live this morning. We're super glad that uh, for those of you that are watching online today, and we hope you let us know that you're watching online, say hi. If you have a prayer request, make sure you send that to us so we can be praying for you throughout the week. And we're really, really glad you're here. We have some first-time guests that are here this morning. Let's welcome them to our church service. So glad for everybody's here for the first time. One of our first-time guests is my grandson, Bowie. And we're glad that Bowie's in the house today. And Aunt Jenna's getting her Bowie time today. So it's very, very good. Jenna, they said you could take a shift at 3 o'clock this morning if you're available, okay? Well, we're glad you're here, and we hope that you are encouraged this morning. It's going to be 97 degrees there. How many of you like that it's going to be 97 degrees today? Raise your hand up in the air. How many normal people don't like that it's going to be 97 degrees today? Okay. I just want to make sure I'm in the right crowd of people this morning. Um, you remember when you were growing up? Those of you that haven't finished, for those of you that are grown up already, okay, and used to play a game, a very complicated game that took a lot of explaining to do called Tag. Remember the game Tag? There was actually a movie made about the game of Tag. These group of guys uh, play, had played Tag together every 30, for the last 30 years, and on February the 28th, Whoever the last one that gets tagged was it, and there was a guy that hadn't got tugged the whole time. It's kind of a funny movie. Uh, but anyway, the game of tag, pr- pretty, uh, pretty complicated game. Three primary principles in the game of tag. The first principle is, is you have to identify all who are playing, right? Because you can't tag somebody that's not playing tag to be it if they're not part of the game, right? You have to make sure the people that you're going after are involved with this super complicated game called tag. And then there's something that's very, very important about the game of tag, and that's base. Base was a place that you were safe. Let's say if I'm playing tag, the pulpit's base, and I didn't want to get tugged, I would kind of be close enough so I wouldn't get tugged. So if somebody's running my way, I could dive or lunge towards base or run around or do whatever I had to do so I wouldn't get tugged. And then there is the person who is kind of the center of the game the person who's trying to tag you, and that person is who? It. You're it. And there was ways that you started. You have to start off the game of tag. Somebody's got to be it, right? So you would do things. You could do rock, paper, scissors, shoot, right, to see who was it. If you're real, I mean, that's, that's really from maybe junior high and high school. That's pretty high-level stuff. But uh, there, another way you could do it is you could do the count-off. You know what the count-off is to see who was it? One, two, three, not it. Right? One, two, three, not it. The first, last person to say not it was what? They were it. Now, it was a complicated thing. Because when you're it, it's kind of something that in the beginning you don't want to be. Right? You don't want to be it. But then there's the other side of that. But if I'm it, I can run after and tag that girl I'm not supposed to. But anyway, you know, you, could, you know that kind of a thing too. But it was popular because even though you tried not to be it, when you were it, you had the power. Everybody knew the person who was it and stay away from that person and that person would go try to tag somebody. Maybe you would extend the time that you were it because you kind of like that attention, right? 
and, and wanted everybody kind of running away from you or whatever. So we, because here's what happened. When you tagged somebody and they were it, you weren't important anymore. Because they couldn't tag you, right? Because if you tag somebody when you're it and they become it, there's no what? There's no tag backs. So you're pretty much eliminated for the game until the next person becomes it. This is pretty big stuff here, church. I hope you're paying attention to this this morning, all right? But one of the two most important things about the game of tag is the person who was it and base. Base was a place you were safe. You know, base was a place they couldn't come after you. Base was a place that nobody could tag you it. And really, it kind of seemed like maybe the guys and gals that were little scaredy cats, you know, they wouldn't want to hang around base they, because it was more adventurous to go on the other side of the jungle gym or hide behind some bushes or run right past the guy or girl that's it so that you could kind of be a little daring a little bit to show them that you're not afraid of being it or kind of you did want to be it even though you said you didn't want to be it, right? There's a lot of social stuff here. There are people that carry long-term mental issues because of complications from the game of it, okay, from the game of tag. But there's something about the game I want to I kind of put in your mind this morning for you to think about. The safety of base, right? If you read throughout all of the Old Testament, and, you know, if, if you're young in the Lord or if you're kind of maybe new to this church thing or you haven't been a, a, a part of um, a, a church or a Christian community for a, for a long time, maybe you're not real familiar with the Bible, the Bible can seem very, very uh, intimidating. It's pretty long. It's got a lot of, you know, pretty heavy words. There's a lot of sections with a lot of really weird names that kind of make it hard for us to read. But just a very general statement about the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a story of God trying to win over the hearts of his people. And he would tell them very, very simply, this is what you have to do in order to be, you ready, safe on base. You can't worship other gods. You can't uh, intermingle with some of these other people that are, that are, that are practicing uh, very evil ways in their lives. Uh, there, there's some things that, that, that these other religions, and, and you look at that and you say, how was that even possible? There were religions that God was telling his children, the Israelites, to stay away from, who as part of their religion, not only were they worshiping like guitars or amps or just these inanimate objects, they were worshiping them like they were living people or living, living beings, but to get the attention of the gods that they were worshiping, they would actually take their children and sacrifice them in fire to get the attention of nobody. And God told them over and over and over again, if you want to be safe, if you want my blessing, if you want, if, if you want me to be in your country or in your family or in your life, you must obey me. And that, you know, when we hear obedience, like, oh, you know, obedience reminds me of my parents' rules. <coughs> obedience is not something that, that we really want to talk too much about, right? Because, because you know, we're adults now. We, you know, we, we, we don't have to really obey anything except the law and, and things like that. When the fact of the matter is God told the children of Israel, if you obey me, I'm going to bless you. It's not super complicated, but we, but we as people make it very complicated because we'll get on base. Base is obedience. Well, here's what we like to do. We like to be like, you know, like this to being in total obedience to God, and then we'll step away just so we're close because we think, well, Satan's not going to get, if we're this close to base, right, Satan's not going to come after me. When, when, when the truth is Satan wants to distract you to get you off of base so he can destroy your life. 
because he knows what God wants to do in your life, and he doesn't want that any more than anybody else in the world. But the fact is God wants to do something in your life, but you know what he requires? Obedience. He requires us to obey him. I want to read this passage to you out of 1 John this morning, chapter 2. We're going to read verses 18 through 27. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version this morning. It'll be up on the screen. The Bible says this, little children, it's the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist, or the false prophet, is coming. Even now many Antichrists, or false teachers, have come, by which we know that it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they're not of us. If they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they may be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing. Don't be afraid of this. We're going to talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit this morning. Somebody say amen. Because it's the Bible. It's just the Bible. We're going to talk about what's in the Bible. And you know all things. And I have written, I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, because you, you know it. And that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar except for he that denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Father does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide or dwell in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, which is eternal life. This is the promise. He's, he's confirming or affirming that we have eternal life if we have a relationship with God's Son, Jesus Christ. And then he says it again. And you've heard this phrase over and over and over again in this study. And we're going to hear it again uh, as we continue the study in 1 John. Uh, these things I've written unto you. I'm writing these things to you. I want to affirm, I want to confirm, I want you to know that this is truth. These things I'm writing to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. The Holy Spirit abides in you if you're a believer. And you do not need to know, and you do not need uh, that, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and it's true, it's not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. So here's what I want to talk to you about today. God desperately wants our attention. He desperately wants our attention. He's proven that he wants our attention by what's written in his word. He tells us multiple times in this book of 1 John, I'm writing these things that you know. I'm writing these things so that you know. I'm writing these things so that you know. I'm writing these things to you that know the name of Jesus Christ so that you will know that you have eternal life. He says this over and over and over and over again. Why did he confirm or affirm these statements to us over and over again? Number one, human beings, we doubt. We doubt a lot of stuff. We doubt our abilities. We doubt our um, we doubt our popularity. We doubt because we compare ourselves to others with the Bible says we should not do. We doubt because we know where we're weak, right? We doubt ourselves all the time. Well, I can't do that. We compare. Man, look at that person over there. They have these great talents and ability. I'm never going to be able to do that. So we doubt because of that. But here's why else. Here's another reason why we also doubt. Here's what it is, and the Bible talks about this in this chapter. We doubt because of false teachers. There were people that were part of this Christian community, maybe just came, maybe on the outside looking in, or maybe they were family members of some of the early believers, and they added things to this teaching from the Bible 
that taught us how we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I talked about it a couple weeks ago. The, the early Jewish believers told the early Gentile believers that your salvation is not complete until you get circumcised. Tough sell for that religion if you ask me, right? But that's what they told them. You need to know Jesus. You need to get baptized. And once you're circumcised, then you got the whole package. You're saved. And the Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. And that's the name of who? Jesus Christ. If we know him as Savior, if we put our full faith and trust in him, it's not baptism also that saves us. It's not doing good things, which circumcision represents, or going to church, or giving money to the ministry, or anything like that. Those things don't give us a relationship with God. It's our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in Christ alone. That's very significant. Now, there's things we're supposed to do because we're saved, right? We want to demonstrate our love to God by being faithful to the things that he loves, God's people, his church, Christian community. Like uh, Johnny and Nick were talking about this morning, we're doing this ministry called Warehouse Cares, and we're going to be helping at homeless shelters, and every, you're, you're going to hear different things about once a month that we're going to do. We're going to try. They, they made a statement. I'm going to finish the statement that he said. We want Warehouse Church to be known in this community because we want to direct that to Jesus Christ. We want people to know him. And that's the purpose. We, we, we want to demonstrate care because the Bible says we're supposed to. But you know what that does? It gives us the ability to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. But in this passage, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to get through this super quick with you this morning because I think I could do this passage in about three weeks, to be honest with you, because there's so much super-duper rich teaching here. But I'm going to kind of go over the, kind of the basics of it, and then we'll refer to it a little bit later. But God desperately wants our attention. Here's the first thing. Here's why. You know why God wants our attention? And I don't think anybody's going to disagree with this. You ready? Because we are in the last hour of deception. It's the truth. I am going to do a series next year with fear and troubling early in the year, probably in January or starting in February, on the end times of Revelation. And man, there's so, there's such a, a wide scope of things in the book of Revelations, going all the way back to the Old Testament when it talks about, and man, we are really, really interested in end time stuff. You know how I know we're interested in end time stuff? Because any kind of movie that comes out that talks about the end of the world as we know it, it's a great reference to an REM song, by the way, but any kind of movie that comes out that deals with an asteroid coming to the earth or the zombie apocalypse, Super Dave, or anything like that. We're like all into that. Okay, what's going to happen? What's going to happen, right? And how many of you have watched, what's that zombie show on AMC called? Walk, how many of you watch Walking Dead? I know you have. How many of us has watched Walking Dead? Okay. Well, one of the things in Walking Dead that you do if you watch it with somebody else, you kind of put your own plan together. Oh, you, if I was here. I'd be like, I'm not going to carry like a little beater stick that's this big. I'm going to get Michonne's machete, big old sword knife, and chop people off while social distancing. Very, very relevant, right? But we are in the last hour of deception. It talks about it here a little bit in, in 1 John chapter 2. He says, little children, young in the Lord. It doesn't mean kids. It just means people that are young in the Lord. It's the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming down. This passage, it talks about the Antichrist, and then it talks about Antichrists. The Antichrist is the deceiver. 
He's the one that's going to rise up during the end times. I'm just going to skim over this today. We'll get into it deep later. He's the one that's going to rise up. He's going to be used by Satan to deceive the entire planet. They're going to, he's going to make himself known as this is who you've been waiting for. When you hear things like one world government, one world system, those are all things that are starting to point in that direction. And there's a leader that's going to come up. People will debate on what part of the world it's from. It's not from the United States. I can tell you that from Scripture, okay? As much as we love being Americans, not too much written about USA in the Bible, just, just so you know that, okay? But this person is the deceiver, the Antichrist, and he's going to deceive and there's going to be a time of prosperity for three and a half years. And everybody's going to think it's all good in the hood, right? And then, and then uh, the judgment's going to come upon the earth, and it's going to get rough. And we're going to be, uh, have a very, very, people that are here are going to have a very, very, time, very, very hard time under this one world government system. But then it talks about something else I think it's very relevant for all of us to understand today. It says, even now many antichrists have come. False teachers. False teachers. It's interesting how it says, many antichrists have come by which we have known. It is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. So when you think of an antichrist kind of a person, maybe you think of one of our church members, Adriano. I know Stephanie's watching. Adriano's probably lifting right now because one of their kids are sick. And please tell them I Jesus juked them a little bit when you talk to them again today, right? But if you go outside of his house, he's got this big, gigantic, like, ghoul thing for Halloween in front of his house, and it screams. I think it's made about six women go into child labor birth and scared three kids into an asylum or something. It's just huge. It's like nine foot tall, makes this really, really loud sound. You know, it's Halloween, yay. So anyway, they have this outside of their house. It's really rough. When we see those big ghoulish, you know, like super, that's what we think when we think of the Antichrist. That's what the Antichrist is going to look like. He's going to be a deceiver in so much that we're going to be drawn to it. And when he's talking about here in 1 John chapter 2, the, the antichrists or false teachers that are around us, he mentions also that they were, they were right kind of in our midst. They were right there. Uh, you'll read stories in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians about people that split the church uh, because of sin that was taking, uh, immorality that was taking place in the church. And it was pretty rough. And you read through those passages of Scripture, and they were, the Antichrist were people that were not literally the Antichrist, but he's using this as a term here that refers to them as false teachers. But he wants you to understand, listen, you may think that they're smooth. You may think that they're good looking. You may think that what they're promising is really, really hopeful. But if they're not basing what they're promising you on the Word of God, they're false teachers. There's a lot of religions in our world. Listen, and I've had this... I, I want to say kind debate because I'm not really a confrontational. It's like, you believe in Jesus or nothing. And then do the, you know, another, the, power, the power elbow. I don't do that. I try to engage kindly. When people get confrontational about it, I say, listen, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that God rewards those who diligently seek him. If you can't agree with what we're talking about today, would you at least say a prayer and say, dear God, help me to understand your truth? Because if you diligently seek God's truth, he's going to find a way for you to find it. Here's the problem. It says those who were among us, we like to get our ears tickled. And I'm not going to go political this morning, say amen to that, okay? Yeah, amen to that, right? 
But, you know, we hear a lot of promises, and I'm, and I'm paralleling this to politics, but I'm not focusing on politics. We hear a lot of people, and we know when we're listening to a lot of political, all politicians are like this, but we know a lot of agendas and things we listen to. We kind of have a little bit of skepticism because there's something inside what? Politicians lie. Is that unfair? It, it, it's probably unfair because not all politicians do. But politics in the United States, our system in general right now, it's, it's just tough. It's tough for all of us to have a whole bunch of confidence in it. Is it fair to say that? I'm very patriotic. Don't get mad at me this morning, okay? Um, but I want you to understand something. People will try to draw you with what makes you feel good. It's true, Dave. They manipulate us. They'll find out what people in this region of the country like, and they're going to say everything that makes us, yeah, that's what we want, that's what we want, that's what we want. But you, do you know the political commercials that are in North Dallas are not the same as political commercials that are in Philadelphia, New England, or even California? Are, are, the, issues, are the issues different? In some areas they are, but you know what's different? The messaging and the people that are receiving them. And I'm equating that to false teachers. I'm not saying they are false teachers, but here's what I'm saying. People want you to believe what they're selling, right? Religion is not what we're promoting this morning. We promote a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's, that's, what, the, that's what the Bible teaches us. But if we get drawn into religion, you know what religion is? Man's way of trying to find God. And you know what we've done? We've failed miserably. But a relationship with Jesus Christ is what secures our place with Jesus Christ in heaven forever and ever and ever. But we've got to be careful of false teachers. So how do we test these false teachers? Well, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 5, for many will come in my name and they're going to say, I am the Christ. And they're going to deceive a lot of people. 2 Timothy chapter 3, you talk about a prophetic verse that feels like it's coming alive today in, in our culture, in our country, and in the world. It says this, but know this, that in the last days, perilous or destructive or scary times are going to come. It says, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, and unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, uh, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from, su and from such people, the Bible says this, turn away. For, this, for of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of, gull of gullible people loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come into the full knowledge of truth. That's, kind of, that's one of those verses you got to go, that's kind of scary. Because it feels like today a little bit. And you know, we'll look at the extreme people. Oh, the murderers and the this and the this. It, it says people that lust. It says people that love themselves more than they love God and they chase after pleasure more than a relationship with God. I think it kind of hits all of us a little bit if, we're, if we were really to be honest with the Lord this morning. But it's interesting how the Old Testament and New Testament prophecies all talk about the end times, right? But, but we understand something where the Bible talks about that we learn. We learn this from the Old Testament and we can learn it from the New Testament here in Timothy and in Revelation. Before Jesus comes, it's gonna get really bad. I, I'm gonna ask you a question, just a very 
yes or no question. Do you think things are kind of getting bad? Would you agree with that this morning? Now, now we might not have a comprehension of how bad it's going to be. And if it gets worse, that honestly, that's kind of scary, isn't it? It's kind of scary. Uh, but God wants our attention because he knows what's going on. Even though we're kind of like wondering what's going on, when's COVID going to go away? Dear God, can November 4th happen tomorrow? So that's all done, you know, or when's this going to happen? And we, we got all these things, right, that we worry, 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 worry about. But God wants to get our attention, not only because we're in the last days, but he wants you to understand this, that his word is our only guide for truth. He gave us this, not this religious book, but he gave us this precious book that he inspired and preserved and has for you and I today to learn about him, learn how to live, learn how to treat people, learn about his son Jesus. You're never going to develop the mind of Christ or the mind of God in your life if you don't understand how he thinks or what he says or what he expects from you. This isn't something that's supposed to look good on a table in your house. This is supposed to be the wonderful words of life that you are looking into, reading into, and praying over church daily. Not just here on Sunday. And I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you're part of this church today and you get to hear some of the things that we're talking about today. But more than you need anything that I could ever say to you, even speaking it out of this, you need God's word in your life. I need God's word in my life. Psalm 119, it says, it's a a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. Not only does it illuminate long-term, if I'm staying close to God, if I'm staying in his word, my life and my plan for my life is going to make sense. But you know what else is important? Every single step. Every single step. I took, I parked, uh, we've got one of those, I, I, don't, I don't know where you all live, I'm sure a lot of you live in Plain or pretty close. I've got that alley behind my house that where you can kind of hide all your yucky stuff in fr- about your house, and then the front of your house looks beautiful with flowers and like nothing's wrong, right? But the back of your house are your trash cans, your jacked up fence, your, your, your alley that's got a couple potholes in it and stuff like that, right? So my driveway's very, very short, and I try to park my truck far enough away where I could get behind my truck to put trash in the trash can. And every night I go through the whole house, and I get all the trash, put it in one bag, and I take it to my trash can. And I separate it for those of you who will ask me about that later, okay? So I take the trash out. But last night, my truck was back too close to the house. Dang it. So I had to walk around my truck. These are first world problems if you've ever had them, okay? The problem was I was barefoot. I am not a barefoot walking person outside. How many of you could walk outside in the street? It wouldn't bother your feet at all. Y'all are from Tennessee probably, okay? So... So I walked, and every little stone, I'm like, ah, uh, uh." and you have to understand something. When like 296 pounds, 294 pounds maybe, steps on a rock, you feel it from this part of your body all the way to the top, top of your hair. It hurts. And I stepped on one on my heel yesterday, and I'm glad I'm in church today. That's all I'm going to tell you. It messed me up, you know. But we need God's path illuminated long-term, long-term. I needed every step, every step of the way. Because those little rocks and those little dingers, they get me all the time. I need Jesus' guidance from his word on a daily basis. The word of God is our guide for truth. He said in 1 John chapter 2, I've not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you know it. 
And there's no lie that's equal to the truth. He said, you're listening to people lie. You test that by going back to the word of God. Church, I've said this in the past. If you ever hear anything out of my mouth from this pulpit, from this sacred place that we're talking from you this morning, you, you read your Bible. And if I say anything in this book that's contrary to this book, you need to send me out to get a job somewhere else. Because if I'm not teaching this truth, I shouldn't be here. And I say that with fear in my heart. Because it's a responsibility we have not just to know personality and funny stuff. we got to know the word of God because it's the only thing that's going to guide us in these times. He says in verse 24, therefore, let that abide in you, dwell there, live there, saturate yourself with it. Which you've heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning stays in you, this Bible, the word of God, the teachings of Jesus. If that's what you learned from the early part of your Christianity, let it stay in you, John is saying here, and then you'll also dwell in the Son and in the Father. Hebrews 4.12, it's the first time that Star Wars lightsabers mentioned in Scripture. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents in my heart. Timothy 3.16, for all you Awana people, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable. You know what profitable means? Profitable. Either it doesn't turn a profit or it does turn a profit. You lose or you gain. There's gain in it because... Uh, there's doctrine, which is, that sounds like a really scary Christian word. You know what doc doctrine is? It's the teaching of Scripture and its truth, which we need. We need to know the right and wrongs according to not my feelings, but according to God and his heart that we can read and understand about in the Bible. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction. We need that. We need that compass. We need that sword in our life. This is a very important copy of the Bible. It's kind of small to me. Um, it's a New Testament. Kim and I gave this to her dad for Christmas in 1997. He passed in 2001. And this was in his, this was in his coffin when he passed away. And it was a beautiful service. Lots and lots of people came and accepted Christ. It was really, really cool. He really had a great influence on his community. Well, when he passed away, my mother-in-law took this out and she says, here, I want you to have this. And she gave this back to us. And it was kind of cool because it was the, the, the cover was all dingy and it was just, it was kind of worn like dad's wallet. You know what I'm saying? You remember to look at dad's wallet and all jacked up it was? And my dad had a wallet that was so beat up he kept a rubber band around it, you know? But it was kind of like that, so I got it recovered, and I, I keep this. This is, very, this is a very special uh, copy of scriptures to me. But I'm going to make some seniors very happy with something I'm going to say this morning. Do you remember when you used to go to church and everybody came to church with their Bible, Miss Pam? And the Bible was something that wasn't just a book that was in your house. It was something that was very precious to you. Now, I know I'm going old school this morning, and you're saying, what are you saying? I got my Bible on my phone. If you got your Bible on your phone, and you're reading it every day, hallelujah, that's a big, big win. But I do know, and you do know, that our country that everybody says was founded on Christian principles, and you can argue that fact if you want to, here's the truth. We're certainly straying away from that. Because this 
is not important in our lives and in our families the way that it used to be. Do we live in a perfect country? No, we don't. The only perfect place you're ever going to live is heaven. But if this is not part of your life, if this is not part of your worship, if this is not part of your daily relationship with God, you are, you know what you're going to be? You're going to be spiritually anemic. This, there's not enough that happens here on Sunday morning to keep you healthy in your walk with the Lord. The way that you read ought to draw you closer to the Lord and challenge you more than anything I or any other preacher could say to you. Here's the point, church. We need God's word in our life on a daily basis. And God wants us to know that. That's what's so uh, special about it. God wants your attention. And if you start reading his word, you'll understand he's doing everything he can to get your attention. Here's the third thing this morning. God wants to get your attention so much that he gave you his Holy Spirit to protect you. 1 John 2.20, it says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And, and you can know all things that are, that are in the Word of God. We have an anointing of the Holy Spirit. Boy, we could talk about anointing in a whole service because anointing is very, very significant all throughout the Word of God. In the Old Testament, an anointing meant that you were set apart to do something by God. An anointing is something that God used to empower people. An anointing God uses for healing. An anointing God uses for protection. God says in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he's gonna teach you all things and bring into remembrance the things that I have said to you. John 16, 13, in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he's gonna give to you. And then in 1 John 2 that we just read earlier, therefore let that abide in you you dwell there, let it abide in you, let it live in your heart, which you've heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will abide in the Son and in the Father. There's three parts to God's being, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God created, and there's never a time in history where the presence of God was not part of the world. God the Father in the Old Testament, his son Jesus Christ uh, in the New Testament, when Jesus left, he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to leave somebody with you who's going to stay with you. And the Bible says the day that you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your body becomes the temple of God. You know what that means? That temple that he talked about in the Old Testament where fire came down from heaven when God's presence dwelt in that building, the day that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, his Holy Spirit dwells in you and you become his temple, the temple of God. You know Jesus, his, his Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Here's the last thing I want you to know this morning. This is so great. In 1 John 2, 28, he says, and now little children, young in the Lord. When we hear little children, we say, oh, this is something for the kids. This is for all of us. This is for all of us. Abide in him. Here's the last point, remain in him. Stay on base. It's safer. It's safer. It's safer for your walk with the Lord to be part of a local New Testament church, a body of believers, a Christian community. It's safer for your walk with the Lord to surround yourself with other people that share those same Christian values where we're serving the Lord 
and just trying to do your best for him and, and being uh, contributing to your community at some level and, and being a good father and a good mother and a good citizen and a good neighbor and a good person has value because of the other people that you're abiding or dwelling with share those same values, right? Relationship with God. Now listen, that doesn't mean we don't reach out and bring people into Jesus, but our lifestyle ought to reflect this more than it reflects everything else that's in the world today. The world's sucking us in, all of us, at some level. We got to come back to base, church. It's safe. It's safe. He wants you to abide in him. I don't sleep at my house one day a week. She lets me stay seven days a week. I can't even believe it. You know what's nice about being home? There's something about, and listen, you can have a nice house, tiny apartment, or a van down by the river. Your home is somewhere that's safe, isn't it? There's just something about being home, you know? And I hope you sense that when you're part of, as being a part of Warehouse Church. I hope you sense that in your life. God wants you to know three things this morning. I'm going to read this and I'm going to pray. He wants you to know your relationship is secure in him. We're going to talk about it again next week. We're going to talk about, in 1 John chapter 3, it talks about Cain. There's some crazy stuff in 1 John chapter 3. Kind of going to jump into it with fear a little bit next week. But every week we read in 1 John how God wants you to know that your relationship in him is secure. Why do we need to hear that? Because we're insecure and other false teachers are trying to take us away from that. Number two, we need his word to fully understand how secure we are in him. Number three, because we are in last days. But here's the cool thing about being in the last days. It's said there in 1 Timothy, in the last days, perilous times are going to come, right? All this crazy stuff's going to happen. But the Bible also talks about this in the book of Revelations. In the last days, there's going to be a day of harvest, time of harvest, a period of harvest. When people are going to be exposed to, understand, and embrace the truth. I was talking to a young man today. Is this your first time in our church? I'm calling you out right here in front of God and Jesus. Is this your first time in our church? Were you here before? This is your first time in our church. This young man just finished his commission from the army, and he was, were you in the army? I'm glad, because people, if you're in the Marines or Navy and you say army, people get mad at you, right? Honorable discharge. Now he's coming out in the community. He's finished serving his country. Just good stuff. And I said, oh, you're, and, and, and his mom has been on, he's coming home, he's going to be safe, he's home, my baby's coming home, and she, everybody knows you're here today, because she's been telling everybody you're coming home. So now he's coming home to be safe, and he wants to work for the police department in the bomb department, in the bomb squad. So mom's going to get like two good nights of sleep, thanks, right? But you know what I want to be, and I want to be in God's bomb squad, where we're just blanketing the community with the love of Jesus Christ. Having opportunities because we're kind and because we care. People say, man, what's got, man, what are you, people from Philly aren't that nice. What are you doing? What are you, what's in you? What's gotten into you? And I'm going to say, let me tell you about this book that my father-in-law gave me. 
and teach you about Jesus. I hope God uses all of us for that time. It's coming soon. You say, oh, you're getting spooky now, talking weird Jesus Bible rapture stuff. It's in the Bible, church. It's going to happen. I'm ready. I can get like three inches up off the ground already. I'm like, I'm ready to go. But as long as God keeps me here, I want to be used by him to do something special. And I want that for our church. And I want that for your life as well. God wrote these things so that you would know. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for our Lord Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, you've given us so many warnings and so many concepts and precepts and things to understand out of your holy scriptures. And we get intimidated by it. And sometimes we're kind of, well, that's somebody else's responsibility. I'm more of a this kind of person. I'm more of a that kind of person. There's not a man or woman that's in this room or online with us today that can live a strong, successful Christian life, Christian walk, separated from any kind of teaching or daily time in your word. And God, I know that you didn't tell everybody to read their Bible for six hours a day. Different people have different levels of reading comprehension. But you know, and I know what it takes for me to be in your word, for it to have an impact on my life that day. And I certainly can compare it to my time watching TV or time watching a football game or a time doing that, not not necessarily bad things. Those things aren't bad. But if I make that more important and I become a lover of myself and a lover of pleasure more than I am of your word, then I'm gonna miss some important things you have in my life, as will all of us today. So help us to, to secure to know that security we have in you by diving into your word, reading it, memorizing it, and making it a daily part of our life. We love you and we thank you for your word. We ask you to bless our church today with your heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm just gonna ask you a real quick question. How many of you would say, Pastor Ed, I need, I'm putting my hand up while I'm asking this question. I need to spend more time in God's word. I'm gonna, be in, I'm gonna admit that to you this morning and I'm gonna ask you to pray for me that God would help me spend more time in his word this week. Raise your hand up in the air. That's all of us, isn't it? That's all of us. God, we love you, we thank you, we honor you. We bless you, we bless your name. Use us today to do some. Thank you for the security that we have in you, even though that we are wanderers and we just go everywhere. We are secure in you, and I thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say it with me. Amen. Amen Amen means you agree. Kind of means so be it. So when you say amen, even though it sounds real churchy, it means I agree. So all those in favor, all those that agree with what I'm saying, say amen. Amen. Hey, we want to thank everybody that's online for for being part of our church service today. Please stay online. You're going to see our announcements that are going to stream as soon as I'm done talking. So we want to thank you for joining us, everybody on Facebook. Everybody say bye, Facebook people. Have a great day.